them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here. Heading into the home stretch now with Wendy May. She's the executive director for the Vermont Association of Broadcasters. And we're talking about the threat to AM radio. And uh, so we've made your organization lobbying and with others, maybe, have gotten some support in the in Congress and in the House and the Senate. Um, and one thing is you've seen Ford, company that I get my cars from lately, have backed off, at least for now, in their... They're eliminating AM radio from all their cars, but they, we, the, the commitment's only through next year. Is that what you said? For Ford, yes. For Ford. Yeah, they've only committed toward, to next year. And go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, so in terms of the legislation that we, it's always good when you see some bipartisan legislation's got a better chance when you got Ted Cruz and Senator Markey from Massachusetts coming from completely opposite perspectives politically. But can can our House and Senate how can we impact out-of-country dealerships or manufacturers? Let me put it that way instead. Can we stop them? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. That's what the AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act would do. In essence, what it does is it makes AM radio receivers a safety feature in every car that would be sold in the United States, just like a seatbelt or an emergency brake. Um, and that's how important and critical AM radio is. It is an emergency feature. That's why FEMA and, and the, the government spent millions of dollars fortifying 70 primary entry point radio stations across the country, 60 of which are AMs, um, to make them primary entry points for the emergency alert system, otherwise right. known as EAS. Which, so, and which that's we, that funny noise you hear, but we heard actually go off and, uh, and, and disseminate information last week on this station about the floods and... AM, the actual AM, the way that it's broadcast out, for the amount of power you put into the tower, it goes further than virtually anything else out there. That's right. So if there is an emergency and they want to communicate to the masses, it's going to wind up being the AM frequency, that that bandwidth that gets used. It is. And so um, to, to just arbitrarily do away with it when it's the basis for our entire emergency alert system for the country doesn't seem well thought out. It is not well thought out. And that's why, you know, the foreign car makers have such a, a hold um, on the American market. Um, and what they're saying is that in the, in Europe, yeah, well. that there there is no AM radio. Well, there is no emergency alert system either. That's correct. <laughs> that's right. And so, you know, last week was such an amazing example of that. Yeah. Um, I did not get in my car uh, and and listen to anything else except for am radio um because i wanted to know where the the flooding was happening before i was leaving the house what roads were closed i mean right. think about all those road closures that we had we were disseminating that information in real time right yeah. and without that system i don't know how would you do it how would you do you it you can't watch your phone and drive no. you can only listen and right now wendy we've got some calls they can only be calling asking you questions because we're still on the air on AM radio. That's Let's right. Go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. I don't know um, if you mentioned this because I didn't hear the full segment, but not only is it a free service and an emergency service, it is primarily the um, public voice of most conservative broadcasting. And I'm wondering if. 
people like Welsh and some of these senators might be hesitating just because it gives a voice to a side that NPR and some of the other stations don't necessarily do. Have they factored that little component into the reason why they're getting rid of AM radio? I'm just curious. Well, actually, only about 20% of AM formats are, ta- are, are conservative, conservative talk radio. So I don't know that that's really the factor in it. Um, and again, I want to thank Senator Sanders and Congresswoman Ballant for signing on to the AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act. What I think uh, might be uh, the holdup or uh, the hang-up with why uh, Peter hasn't done it yet is maybe because he worked very hard to get those um, subsidies for electric vehicles, and perhaps there's there could be some sort of conflict of interest there. I'm not really sure. We're, we're, we're still working our way through it. But there is something that you as a listener can do, and that is to call or email Senator Welch's office and tell him how important AM radio is to you. And, and go ahead and make that ask uh, yeah. as, as his constituent. Make that ask mm-hmm. that you want AM radio to stay in your cars. Well, let's go back to the phones. Get another call. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. I, I could not imagine life without AM radio. I can't remember the last time I ever had FM radio on my vehicle tuned in, and I especially rely on this station. But you guys, this is your topic, so you ask for this que- for the following question this morning. Why is it that after your station went off the air Friday, it is nothing but static now. I can barely listen to it. Okay. Uh, we had a caller ask that earlier, which is why we fall back on streaming. Uh, and I see, I know I'm not a big smartphone guy, but we do have an app that works pretty easy and it's free. Um, but unfortunately, we were struck by lightning and our brand new primary transmitter is down. I think they're waiting probably for a new tube. I don't know. But we've got a backup transmitter. It's just not as big as the big dog that you usually listen to. So we're working feverishly on getting So the it bottom line is you will be getting you will be getting the stronger signal back and you can keep it keep us uh, informed as to whether you do get it back cuz we want to know. I mean our listening audience around here the AM signals back it was down Friday morning but as Anthony said they're working to get uh, this fixed so that uh, people that are a little farther out still get us. So Good. we, we expect to that it. to be back and and Please keep us informed. We'll be booming down. Can we get a refund? 20, uh, yes, you can. You can because we are free, and so you will get your free refund. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a cheeseburger. All Come right. see me. Good to hear, guys. But I, I, cannot, I could not function without AM. So, Well, call keep Peter Welch. Uh, call Peter Welch's office today for us. All right. Thank you. Bye. Now, Wendy, let me ask you that. That brings up a question, which is you, you have... Um, significant number of supporters in congress you said there's been a letter by 100 or or a bill that's been sponsored by 100 different legislators yes over 100 in the house and 20 senators are there is there i know we've heard senator welch has not yet come through with support and we hope that he does but is there any kind of organized opposition that we know about is there any kind of like where we have to okay we've we've got 100 people that have sponsored a bill we've got 20 but that's not quite enough to pass legislation yet so obviously you're still you're just still in high gear working on that, but are you running into anything where where there is some kind of real opposition to it? As you can imagine, the lobby for the auto manufacturers has a little bit more money <laughs> than the lobby for the broadcasters. <laughs> yeah. So um, we think that that's mainly where the opposition is coming from. Again, it's about monetizing that space on the dashboard. But what I was saying before, um, you know, I'll. 
it's just um, me speculating, but that's what what else is it about? You know, they want that real estate back and they want to make money from it. But you do have the power. One thing you have, I mean, maybe not as big of resources as the manufacturers, but that every every single individual across the country here in Vermont and everywhere could be mobilized um, to if they really start thinking about, hey, there is a threat out there to your losing your AM shows the AM broadcasting in cars at all. And um, they, they may want to start making calls. Well, in particular here in Vermont, where electric vehicles, there's been such a push uh, to get, by the way, I try, I was just in the market for a new car. I tried to get an electric vehicle. There's a year long waiting list. So uh, you can't even get one right now if you want one. But the state of Vermont, you know, they're really uh, pushing electric vehicles. It's better for the environment. Uh, You know, nobody's going to disagree with that. But um, it's there's this is not an attack on electric vehicles. No, not at at all. all. Yeah, this is a very simple fix. Uh, It's just a filter. That's all that they need in order to keep AM radio in cars. That's I, I, that's the thing It's uh, you wouldn't expect it. I, that is the last place I expected it from, but I do think you're right. I think that, um, it does come down to money. This is a free service. Uh, and, um, that now that they've realized that they've got basically an entertainment portal or information portal that they can control and monetize it's, uh, in a lot of the ways they're, they're looking at it like now they're the cable company. <laughs> and, um, you know, if there was a way for them to uh, monetize on a streaming service or now when you get your cable bill, you pay a local TV fee, which I can't grasp, but we'll get into that another time. <laughs> uh, and so I think you're right. I think they're like, well, look at look how big Comcast is. Let's get a piece of that. And maybe that's simple. But uh, I think I just pulled up Peter Welch's office, uh, his local number, 652 652- 2450 802-652-2450. You can call the Washington office, but call the local office. Now, Wendy, we're, we only have about a minute or so left, but how about the Federal Communications Commission? Where are, do they, have they taken a stand on this? They have not. They have not. They have not. However, FEMA is very supportive. Yeah, there's something going on at the FCC, too, because 30 years ago, everybody that had an AM signal was supposed to be guaranteed and grandfathered in with a new digital. Hi, 83. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Dan Padanowski for News Talk WVMT. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, giving you opinions and facts with a positive outlook. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. We're back in action. The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get ready to go uh, today with the first lady will be hosting a youth soccer clinic on the White House lawn. Hopefully, it's mowed. Uh, I haven't really seen the lawn in quite some time. Actually, the last time they were there, I think they were celebrating. Um, Pride Month. That didn't go well. Uh, meanwhile, Senator Joe Manchin and Governor John Huntsman will participate in a no-labels, common-sense town hall. Look out. If you're worried about a third party, if you thought that uh, Ralph Nader was problematic for Democrats, this is a huge problem. We'll see what develops. Let's Before we get to our great guest, 
Uh, Kim Lee Strassel in studio from the Wall Street Journal, author of a brand new book, The, Bi- uh, the Biden Malaise. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Because you have almost a perfect storm here. You had COVID sent people home to watch uh, streaming and television and kill theaters. You've had the results of huge investments in streaming, which have produced all these losses for all these companies who are now kind of retrenching. Hollywood on strike. Now, if launching the woke movement didn't teach them anything and the pandemic pause didn't scare them, if the actor strike is not settled quickly, this could kill the $6 billion industry. We talk about the issues and the stakes. Number two. I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more. You got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day. Bridge of blows in Crimea. Russia firing generals while their rubble, uh, what with while their rub, uh, the ruble, and the economy tumbles. This time, uh, this t- is no time for Ukraine to buckle. But it looks like some on the right are starting to lose some faith in Joe Biden's execution of this war. Could it upend Ukraine's momentum? We'll talk about it. Number one. There was a little bit of a shake bug in the campaign. Anytime that happens, which means they're letting go of up to 10 people in a single campaign, there's a little bit of a freak out. People are wondering what's going on. DeSantis's poll numbers have really not gone up nationally or locally. Reset, reorganize, no panic. That's the message from the DeSantis camp as they look for the momentum they have not had since Election Day, with Iowa six months away. Meanwhile, Trump talks about a running mate, legal cases, and Joe. We look at the 2024 GOP debate. It's now just about a month away. And let's talk about that with Kimberly Strassel. Kimberly, great to see you. It is great to be here, Brian. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Thank you. what prompted the idea of doing this. So this is a fun book. It, it's making the comparison between the the Joe Biden administration and the Carter administration. And, you know, what that's what prompted it, because at least from the outside, it just seems that there's so many, you know, parallels, whether it's inflation, whether it's disastrous foreign policy, gas prices. A lot of people don't know this. Both of these presidents, the only two modern presidents that had an uh, unchecked flood at the border. Carter, it was the Mariel boat lift. And now we have the Biden unchecked border crossings as well, too. But this was the fun part, is that I'm making the case in the book that that is utterly unfair to Jimmy Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Because, one, he inherited a lot of the problems that he had. I mean, we were already in the middle of the great inflation in the 1970s. There'd already been an oil strike. Now, he made everything much worse. But... Joe Biden, that wasn't the case. We were just rounding the corner on COVID. All he had to do was sit back and let the economy roar back into action. And we wouldn't have the problems we yeah, had. The border, we, had, we have a wall we paid for, so laying in the desert. That's right. We had policies that were working down there, uh, in, including remain in Mexico, et cetera. He dismantled all of those. But the other reason is that he had all of the lessons of Jimmy Carter's time to learn what not to do. I mean, he was actually in the Senate when Jimmy Carter was president. And so and he also had the lessons of Reagan and they ignored all of it, dismantled all of it. Jimmy Carter didn't have all that. um, You know, he didn't necessarily have the Milton Friedman's of the world yet um, to kind of point him in a different direction from some of the mistakes he made. Joe Biden did. And he ignored all the things we know. What do you think he is? um, You know, a lot of people thought Jimmy Carter was still going to get reelected, even though Ted Kennedy made a huge challenge at him. Do you think we'll have the parallels will happen again? Do you think we have RFK, not Teddy? 
uh, who's got 20% of the vote. Do you think there's going to be some other uh, active go- uh, active governors doing this? It is astonishing to me that no one has challenged Joe Biden. It's crazy. I mean, he has some of the weakest polling ever. Um, you know, and, and obviously we had Kennedy, a Kennedy do that back in, in 1979 as well, too. It didn't work out in that case. But Jimmy Carter was more popular than Joe Biden is now, even with all of his problems. Um, so this is a big part of the book as well, reminding everybody what came after Jimmy Carter. There was a huge backlash to his presidency, and the Republicans were smart enough to a, a nominate a guy who really knew how to capitalize that. And Ronald Reagan didn't just change one election. He changed a generation of voters. Right, uh, and he came. Uh, he came up. He almost got the nomination from a sitting president, Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he kept his powder dry to run again in 1980. But we're already looking on the right something we've never seen before since Grover Cleveland. And we were. I wasn't getting the Wall Street Journal back then. I have no idea <laughs> how you felt about it. Uh, but let's talk about Ron DeSantis if we can, and yep. we'll go back to the book because we're going to be. You're going to be here an hour. Yeah, and absolutely. Let, yeah, um, so that'd be great. So. For Ron DeSantis, is a little bit of panic. He's made almost no progress, a solid second, but losing a couple of points here and there. I don't necessarily think that he's done poorly, but in terms of his organization, he's thinning out, farming out, and he feels like he's spending too much. Yeah, I think that they hired too many people. That seems to be a big question. They also seem to be spread out a little too thin across too many states. And you've been hearing this in some of the stories that he is attempting to now refocus on Iowa, because obviously, as we both know, that is going to be crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to have to have an enormous showing there to then get some momentum and go on. But look, you know, I think, Brian, one of DeSantis's bigger problems is I don't think he's defining himself well enough. I think he's chasing Trump voters in some ways. Um, And I'm not quite sure that's exactly the way to go about it. Um, A lot of Trump voters are very dedicated to the president and it's going to be very hard to peel them off. But you know, there's probably about 70% of the party that don't fall into that category. You think so? I think you so. You think 70% of the Republican Party is not in Trump's camp yet? I, I I totally believe that. I think that he has about the same base of support that he did last time, maybe a little bit bigger. And if you look at the primaries last time, he always came in around 32, 35%, um, sometimes 40. It might be 40 now. But that's still a lot of the party that's unconvinced. Here's what Ron DeSantis said about this, why Trump continues to lead. Cut 12. Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, um, the, the Bragg indictment just elevated uh, him. And it wasn't so much that uh, people were doing it because he was indicted. I think a lot of people, including me, believe that it was a miscarriage of justice. Alvin Bragg ran for office saying he was going to indict Trump. That is not the way the rule of law works. You don't mm-hmm. say, find me the man and I'll find you the crime. So I think there was a lot of sympathy. You thought, and then the next one came, and then there could be two more coming. Well, DeSantis is right. I, I do believe that that has been a big help for President Trump. And the Even thing the that, documents, too? Yeah, I, yeah, because, you know, look, a lot of people rightly look at this, and they feel that there's two standards of justice at the moment, and that the natural reaction to that is you support the guy who's being unfairly targeted. Um, so that probably really is helping Donald Trump. Also, the other thing is, is... I think we need to think of it this way. He is essentially the incumbent president, right? So he starts from that level. Uh, it's sort of like Joe Biden. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he might have lost last time, but we haven't had this situation in quite some time where we have a former president who lost and now is actively running for his party's nomination again. So, yeah, we haven't seen that. So he went on to say, what, what, what about the polling? Uh, here's what he said, cut 13. 
I had gotten a lot of coverage in the aftermath of the midterm election. We always knew with these national polls that that was a sugar high. Wasn't anything we were too concerned about either way. Uh, but the, what we found is the more I'm out there, uh, the more the more support we get in these early states. And it is a state by state primary. And so I think it would be political malpractice to be running for president fixated on a national rather than Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. So that's what we've done. You can make up ground and we are making up ground in all those states, that is not really going to be reflected in the national poll because they're such small states that um, you're not going to end up doing that. What do you about his school of thought? You know, we have had, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, a Marquette poll that came out, Wisconsin, showing them absolutely tied in the state. So I do, I think that goes to my point that there's still a lot of people that are unsure about Donald Trump, um, and it depends state by state. But if he's going to try to spread that money out across all of these states, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to make up ground in each place. He's going to, I think he's going to have to focus. Does he have, who, have you picked a candidate? I don't pick candidates. <laughs> You're not going to. Well, do you have a projection? Um, it really depends on whether or not we get up close to Iowa and a number of other people take a look at their own polls and, and decide to drop out. Um, look, if, if we're going to have a field the size that we had in 2016, Donald Trump has it sewn up. Absolutely. Because it'll just be him and that base of support, and then everybody else will split it. Now, I think that if, uh, if in fact, some people that are lower polling do drop out, I think you could have a DeSantis-Trump race. Um, or I still think that there's a chance for some other people to break out. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Tim Scott, they're getting some notice too. Uh, and, and especially if people feel as though DeSantis isn't going to be the horse that carries this, I still think there's room for some real movement. I think one of the things that people don't give enough credit for for Trump's surge is Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Instead of Joe Biden being the candidate, people have watched him do the exact opposite of President Trump. And they're saying, well, we tried. Well, maybe that was a little bit better than we thought. Well, maybe foreign policy wasn't that far off. You know, maybe building the wall did make a lot of sense. Why are you building a wall between Finland and Russia, but you can't build <laughs> one between the U.S. and Mexico? Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. So you might not like all of a sudden people are kind of waking up out of a hangover and saying, well, some of the stuff really wasn't that crazy. And the economy was friendlier, especially as small business people. Do you talk to small business people? They oh, yeah. really feel like they're under attack. Oh, absolutely. Especially with regulations. Yeah. I mean, every single federal agency is now in their backyard going after them. Taxes. Uh, I mean, and and. Just the general look, if you are a small business, if you're a big business, you can maybe make your way through high inflation. You can, you've got reserves, right? You can close some stores here or there. If you're a small business, you got what you got and you're facing prices that are, you know, in specific industries, 20% higher than they were a couple of years ago. You can't get anyone to come work for you, by the way, because we paid people for so long not to work. So it's terrible for them. And I think you're right. It's like that old Ronald Reagan line, which was so effective. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? And right. a lot of people are looking and saying, wait a minute, I felt a lot better when Donald Trump policies were in place. But we didn't have the four years between when Reagan said it. Mm -hmm. And and now we have, we have four years before he said it. And you look at Joe Biden and you see him withering before your eyes and you see Trump and whatever you think of him, 
There's not much of a difference, really. I mean, I can't tell any difference. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and people do remember that. Our economy before COVID was really doing well, and it was poised to do even better. You know, we had some of the historic unemployment rates in key groups that were out there. Wages were rising. Trade deals were playing a role. Starting to really take effect. Um, and, And this has been a complete reversal and entirely government engineered. I think that's a really important thing. The Biden administration can spend all the time pointing his finger at Russia, uh, you know, and these supposed Putin's inflation. Come on. No, this was a decision to spend money. I forgot about that. You remember that? Putin's yeah. inflation? We spent way too much money in Washington. They were warned not to do it. Uh, we've got a Fed chief that for way too long kept money way too easy. Uh, and then we've got regulators that are just, you know, hammering the business sector. So you've got the demand side out of back and the supply side out of whack. And this is classic. Uh, the name of the book is The Biden Malaise. Kim Lee Strassel wrote it, you know, with the Wall Street Journal. It's going to be here for an hour. Uh, so we're going to come back, take a break and come back with more uh, on 2024 and the war in Ukraine. I don't know if you guys have heard yet, but we woke up to the news that through a drone attack has blown up the Crimea Bridge. Uh, the Russians took so much pride in announcing after they just stole it from the Ukrainians uh, after Khrushchev gave it to them. And the train rolls with military equipment. That's bad. But the good news is the bridge is blown up. Uh, we'll talk about that in the war and so much more. Don't move. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Kilmeade in the house. News Talk WVMT. Ad paid for by Anthem Tax Services. Attention, if you or your business is behind in filing your tax returns or if you owe over $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS, please listen carefully. The IRS does not joke around and will not stop their collection efforts. If you're tired of the IRS letters, levies, liens, or wage garnishments and would like to get a fresh start, we can help. Due to the financial hardships in the country, the IRS is making it easier than ever to settle tax problems for those who owe more than $10,000. We can help settle your delinquent tax problems and all collections and may even reduce your back taxes significantly. Even if you can't afford to pay your back taxes, you can still get the help you need. We've helped thousands of taxpayers just like you, but you must call 800-217-1316 today to stop your tax problem from getting worse. The information is free and the help is real. Call 800-217-1316. That's 800-217-1316. Again, 800-217-1316. You may have seen the CEO of Innovation Refunds, Howard Mackler, on TV explain how they've helped so many small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. The ERC is the Employee Retention Credit. Each year, the U.S. government sets aside over a billion dollars for economic incentives, but it's reported that only 4% is claimed. If you own a business with more than four employees, you could have money waiting for you to be claimed. Innovation Refunds helps business owners navigate the complex filing process. In fact, they are teaming up with John Taffer, the host of Bar Rescue, to help restaurants and bar owners find out if they are eligible for the tax credit. Innovation Refunds has been helping eligible businesses claim their ERC tax refunds since 2021 and may be able to help your business too. Go to innovationrefunds.com to determine eligibility. If you qualify, you could be on your way to receiving money for your business. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Go to Innovation Refunds.